0: We hope these next few moments encourage you, challenge you, and inspire you to be who God has created you to be. We hope you enjoy it. Good morning, Frontline. How are we doing in the room today? Good. It's good to see you. Welcome. If you're joining online, it's good to have you as well. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to the moms in the room, to the grandmas in the room. It's so happy. Uh, We're just so happy to have you in our lives. We're so grateful for you. And uh, Isn't it cool that we got to celebrate child dedication on Mother's Day as well? Uh, I love watching just even the families and the marriages interact. Um, I think my favorite photo in that last bit was uh, the one with the shades, the sunglasses. In the background, I saw every dad up here look and went, that's the photo I wanted for our kid. Right? Isn't that true? There was a conversation that took place, and this is how it goes in my house. I went, this is cool. And she would have went, it's Mother's Day. I went, well, nothing. Anyway, don't you wonder, just as you're looking at kids up here, right? A lot of them babies, you ever wonder who they're going to end up being someday? You ever wonder who they, who they were created to be, who they will eventually be someday when they grow up. I think about that sometimes, even when I look at my own kids. But uh, as I was thinking today, I wanted to start a little bit differently. Uh, I wanted to share three movies Uh, that I love. Three movies that have really impacted me, that have either shaped me or inspired me, uh, or honestly, maybe just entertained me. I wanted to share them with you. Uh, The three movies go like this. Number one would be The Blind Side. Number two is The Dark Knight. Number three is The Black Panther. If you haven't seen The Black Panther, believe it or not, in our country, this is the number four box office grossing movie of all time. That's unbelievable. That means three movies were more popular than this one on their opening box office. So all three of these movies, I love them. They're compelling. They're inspiring. They're entertaining. They're fun. Uh, But there's a main character in all three of these, and they all have something in common. So the main characters would be Michael Orr, which is right here. We got Bruce Wayne in the middle. There's Bruce Wayne. He's coming. And then T'Challa. From Black Panther. All three of them have something in common. And I, I could throw it at you and I could say, what do they have in common? What do their stories have in common? What's, what's the thread of their makeup and how they came to be? What, what do they all have in common? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you. They all have in common this. They all had a guide. They all had someone in their life that identified them early on, most of them as children, who looked after them, who said, I I see this in you. They cultivated this this protection of them, this provision of them. I mean, think about it. All of them, all three of the the first characters were abandoned as children or their parents had died or they were left. They hit hit very broken or or just catastrophic circumstances. And someone else, someone older than them came after them and and took them under their wing and said, "I, I will protect you. I will provide for you. I will pour into you, I will invest in you, I will empower you, and ultimately I will release you to become the person that you were meant to be. All of them had a significant Guide in their life. I mean, think about it. Let's go movie by movie here. First one would be The Blind Side. Michael Orr, right? Younger kid. Um, his dad is out of the picture. I think his dad passes away. Uh, his mom is struggling in life and can't hold him. Just like Brian was talking about, different moms in different seasons. And and so this woman, Leanne, comes and, and puts her arm around him and walks with him and, and really really enables him to be who God had created him to be based on a true story. I love this movie. Number two would be this one, uh, The Dark Knight. Bruce Wayne, his parents were brutally murdered. And so their butler, Alfred, takes him and cares for him. Not that he has to, but he cares for him, and he stewards him, and he opens doors for him so that later he can become who he was supposed to be. And the last one would be this, T'Challa, T'Challa's dad who who was murdered, T'Challa who was next in line to lead the people, Zuri stepped in and cared for him, and provided for him, and paved the way for him, so that he could become who he was created to be. Something so important, so significant, is the guides invest in people, people who are younger than them, so that they might become not a reflection or a representation of the guide, but a representation of who God has created them to be. That's what's so significant. An amazing guide doesn't just duplicate themselves. An amazing guide raises up the next generation to be who God has created them to be. So if you haven't listened yet to last week's message, Brian did an unbelievable job unpacking and starting us out talking about what does it mean to be for people, but specifically young people. What does it look like in the kingdom of God to to be for young people? And he started us off with the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was a prophet of God. He traveled all around the Middle East. He proclaimed. I mean, he was God's mouthpiece to a wicked and broken generation. And so at one point, Elijah gets tired. He's Towards the end, he's going, God, just kill me. I'm done. I'm done. And God says, no, 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 I'm not done with you yet. In fact, the legacy you're going to leave behind you is just getting started. I've selected someone that I want you to invest in. And so Brian set it up and he talked about the phrase that I remembered from last week was this, every successor uh, or, or a success requires a successor. If you want to leave a legacy behind that has kingdom impact, you as someone who's older investing in the younger generation to be a success, you need a successor. Well, today we're going to continue in the same passage. We're going to go right back to 1 Kings 19, but we're going to approach it through a totally different lens, and it's through the lens of Elisha, the one who is being brought up. So check this out. This is 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. It says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elijah, then e- Elisha, then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. I love this, this one line. He doesn't say, let me consult with mom and dad. He doesn't say, let me think about it. He doesn't say, let me, let me weigh the options. He, he makes a decision in that moment. I'm leaving let me go say bye to my father and my mother. He said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? This is so significant because Elijah puts the ball in his court. But what we see in Elisha is this, this is a big deal. Maybe for the first time in Elisha's life, the invitation to purpose was extended to him. Elijah was known who's a well-known prophet of God. And so as he comes and he puts his cloak over top of him, representing like, "I'm, I'm choosing you. I'm inviting you to come with me. But now the ball is in your court. Let's keep reading. His response is funny. It's not necessarily what we would anticipate. Verse 21, so Elisha left him and he went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. That's a drastic response, in my opinion, right? Sometimes we, we over-spiritualize, say, that's just interesting, right? He's out, he's working with these two oxen. And you wonder if it was just a really long, hard day of work because he's going, I'm leaving, but I'm going to kill these two things first. Maybe he was hungry, right? Teenage boy, he's starving. Here's what he says. It says he burned the plowing equipment. So the plow he's using, he starts breaking it. I mean, can you imagine being Elijah at this point watching? You're like, God, this this is who you've chosen? He's breaking the plow. He starts a fire. He's killing the oxen, and then he takes the meat and he cooks it over the fire. And it says he feeds it to the people. He gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Here's what I want to point out. Here's what I think is awesome about Elisha. When given the opportunity to pursue purpose in the kingdom of God, it was worth everything to him. It was worth absolutely everything. He had security. He had wealth. He had family. He had relationships. He he had all of this stuff, all of the security, all of this comfort. He had it, and in a moment, he gave it all up because it wasn't enough. The thing he knew he was created for was not something he could buy. It was an invitation that he needed to respond to. So last week, I thought Brian did a great job, and he spoke specifically to the older crowd and to the older generation on how to identify the next generation of people to equip them and inspire them and ultimately release them. But today, I want to spend a significant amount of time talking to the younger generation talking to them about what the kingdom of God is actually like and how desperate we need guides in our lives. So I want to ask you this. I'm talking right now specifically high schoolers, college students, young adults, young professionals. Big question right here. Have you found something worth giving your, your entire life to yet? Have you found something that is worth everything you have, everything you own, everything you take care of, everything, Stuart, have you found the thing in your life yet that is worth all of that? Because if not, I just want to plead with you. Figure that out. One of the best things you can do is to prayerfully seek a God-ordained guide. Elisha had Everything, yet lacked the most important thing, which was the purpose for which he was created. When given the invitation, everything else lost its value. Have you discovered that thing for you? Please figure it out. But you can't do it alone. Let's keep reading here. Here's what happens. First Kings 19 verse 21. There's this last line. It's easy to miss as we read it. So I want to read it slowly so we can catch it. It says this, then he set out to follow Elijah. That word, say it with me, follow. Elisha set out to follow Elijah. And then this, and became his, say it with me, servant. Can I just speak to the younger generation for one second and say, this is hard. We as a generation do not do either of these things very well. We as a generation often don't seek out guides. Here's what we do as a generation. I'm speaking from my own generation now. Often what we do or how we act or how we live is we say, we don't need previous generations. We don't need you. We don't want you. We don't want you around. We don't want to listen. That's the mentality that our generation has communicated to previous generations. And it's wrong. That is not how the kingdom of God works at all. Elisha, when Elisha steps in to pursue fulfillment in his life and to pursue calling and to pursue purpose, it requires everything of him. And he is not given the position of leadership for a long time. It says he set out to follow Elijah, you want to know something? How we follow people in authority above us is often indicative of how we follow Jesus. That's bad news for our generation. Elisha steps in and he treats Elijah as a master. He follows him. He, He doesn't just lay down his life. He doesn't just lay down his security. He doesn't just lay down his comfort or his stability. He lays down his control. And and he makes the statement like, you're my master. I'm following you. I relinquish all right to dictate, decide, or control. This is the first step to discovering purpose. You identify a guide that will develop and disciple you in the kingdom, and then you submit to them. But then this, this next part, this is where it gets harder. Go ahead and throw that last slide back up. Uh, it, it says he became his servant. He became his servant. Talk about humility. To become one's servant. The question I, I would ask is, is, who exists to serve who in this situation? Does Elijah, the older, exist to serve Elisha, the younger, Or does Elisha, the younger, exist to serve the older, being Elijah? They're so closely named, aren't they? It's like, good grief, could have picked like something different. David, how about that? They're so, it's really important to decide who exists to serve who. And and I want to challenge all of us in the room to think, how, how do we see previous generations? Do they exist for you or do you exist for them? The invitation to purpose in the kingdom of God requires us to lay down all of our lives so that we might serve those who are before us and those who are above us and also those who are below us, those who are coming up next. The call to follow Jesus is to serve. And Elisha could have had this mentality. And I see this so often in our generation today, this generation that's up and coming right now. I see this, you exist to serve me. That doesn't work in the kingdom of God it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Elijah has been ordained by God for the role that he has been given. And God has selected Elisha to go with him, to serve him, to follow him, to observe him, to learn from him, to live with him. And the only time that that changes, the only time that he will no longer be Elijah's servant is when God decides. So Elisha relinquishes all control. You guys, in our generation today, I'm speaking to the younger generation again, we exist to serve. That if you really wanna find your purpose, your true calling in life, you need to sacrifice. You need to get a foot out of both worlds. You need to say, God, I'm all in. I will find a God, I will follow them, and I will serve them. It's for others' benefit, not my own. Purpose is so costly. If I was speaking to the next generation, again, I'm speaking to the next generation a lot. Here's what I would say. God has a purpose for your life. Do you know that? God has a purpose for your life. This is one thing I love about this next generation that's up and coming right now. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, young adults. I love this generation. I'm also part of this generation. God has a calling on your life and many of them know it. Many of them know it. They're desperate for it. What I'm seeing right now in the stories I'm hearing of college students and high school students and middle school students all over the place, they are pursuing purpose more than any time I've ever seen any other generation in my lifetime, duh, but for a long time. This generation is so focused on not pursuing wealth, not acquiring security, not acquiring power or prestige. What they are so honed in on is trading their life for something of value. I got to speak to our 50s plus group about two years ago when we first launched the ministry. And one of the things I said to this group as is, is we were talking, it's right, so a giant group of 50s, 50s plus people and then myself. And I got up there and I said this phrase, I said, we're watching you. We're watching you. Even if it seems like we're not. Isn't it true, right? Older generation, doesn't it seem sometimes that the younger generation is so checked out or tuned out that they're not watching anything anymore? It's like, you're watching Netflix. You're not watching me. You're not watching us. No, no, no. We are watching the previous generation like a hawk. And here's what we're trying to figure out. Are you living lives of purpose or are you living lives of security? Are your lives focused on generosity and others? Or is it focused on acquiring wealth in yourself? We as a generation are watching because we are desperate for this thing called purpose, desperate for the thing that Elisha was offered. And so quickly, we will jump on board if we sense that there is purpose, if we can find someone who has lived a life that has demonstrated purpose is of the utmost goal in the the kingdom of God. That is what we are so desperately Longing for. So, older generation, if I could speak to you for a second, would you please model that life for us? That's what this next generation craves. But I would go back to this, to this next generation, this up and coming generation. I'd say this to you right now God has a calling on your life. Woohoo! All right, yay, we agree. We're so excited. Here's the bad news, okay? Uh, but it's gonna cost you. Anybody who's lived a life of kingdom purpose, would say amen right now, it will cost you. Just like it cost Elisha, it'll cost you your security, cost you your safety, cost you your comfort, cost you control, cost you reputation. It'll cost you your entire life. But you trade it for something that you could never purchase, something that you could never acquire on your own. God has a calling On your life specifically, that aligns with your gifts, that aligns with your passions, that aligns with needs that exist all over the world, that fits you perfectly. But for many, it might be too expensive. It might cost you too much. I read a book when I was in college. Um, It was never assigned by a professor, it's probably one of the only books I read in college. Uh, It's called Kisses from Katie. Um, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. I loved this book. In fact, so much, I was a broke college student and then I became a broke seminary student. Um, But I loved this book so much that I literally bought the book and I kept giving it away. So I, I wanted my own copy, so I bought it and I'd give it to a friend, but then I'd buy another one and I just kept giving this book away, giving this book away, giving this book away. Because this girl named Katie Davis actually discovered and figured out what purpose in the kingdom of God looks like for her. When she was in high school, I think she was a junior, she was really struggling. She'd never been to Africa before, but she told her parents, like, I'm really starting to feel this call that maybe I'm supposed to move to Africa instead of going to college, right? And a lot of older generation people in the room right now, I, I, I can feel it from you, right? You go, oh boy, here we go. Here's another one. Check this out. Watch what happens. She comes to her parents and she says, I'm really feeling this tug. And her parents, probably her dad gets this great idea. And he goes, hey, You find another adult that's willing to go all the way out to Africa with you. We'll let you go all the way out to Africa during Christmas break. So she goes, "Okay, I'll do it." So she starts asking and calling and emailing and texting. She's doing all this stuff. She finally found an adult to go with her. You know who went with her? Mom. (laughs) Mom's for the win, right? My mom was like that. I just would. Mom. 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 Dad's not around. Help, please. She convinces her mom to go with her. Her mom and her go to Africa for two weeks. They go to this uh, tiny country called Uganda, and she falls in love with the community. It's as if God birthed something inside of her, and he said, this is what I'm calling you to, and it's going to cost you. Instead of going off to college, she, she moved to Uganda after her senior year. I mean, can you imagine 17, 18-year-old girl moves there by herself, foreign country, different continent. She moves there, and you know what she does? This is unbelievable. By the age of 23, she had adopted 13 girls of her own. By the age of 23. And then she met her husband, who I love this photo, who's smiling, going, I'm not really sure what I just signed up for. (laughs) And she's pregnant, and he's like praying to God, going, Lord, you know I need a boy. Please. And God's good grace gave him a boy. This story so moved me because Katie figured out what the purpose was in her life. It cost her greatly, but she would tell you in an instant, it was worth every ounce. Younger generation, God has a purpose in mind for you like that. It might not be moving to Africa. It might not be leaving wherever you're at right now. It might, not, it might be starting a business. It might be starting a ministry. There's a, a guy, he's working with our staff now for the next two years. I met him just this past week. He told me this while he was in college. He and a bunch of buddies got in a 15-passenger van and traveled all around the U.S. And all they did was share the gospel, they preached, they played music, and they led people to Christ and connected them to the local church. That was like two years ago. Just this year, they've purchased six 15-passenger vans and are sending out 48 college students to do the exact same thing. God's got something for you if you would be willing to follow and to serve with the help of a guide, I believe God can gift you the purpose that you are hungry for. Maybe not even hungry, that you're starving for. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. I want to ask you this, especially younger generation, what is God stirring in your heart? Sometimes we move so fast or we're consumed with so much media or, or, or so much entertainment or so many activities or so many people or groups or whatever. Sometimes we're so, con- we're so consumed that we often rarely hit pause and time out and say, God, what are you cultivating inside of me right now? This hunger for purpose, God, what is it? What does it look like? Where do I go? You know what we do when we don't, when we can't find purpose or, or when we're not on the track here to discover purpose, we run to other stuff that makes us feel good. Or we check out. Or we chase stupid stuff like money. God's got a purpose in mind that will change your life and the lives of millions for eternity if you will only lean in and trust Him. Figure out what is God stirring in your heart right now. I I love this. The two ministries are so important as we compare Elijah and Elisha, because a calling on your life does not just include pastoral ministry. It doesn't just include serving in a local church. God could have a calling on your life that is totally different than any other calling you've ever seen. Go after it but let's compare these two. Elijah. This is what Elijah's life was like. He grew up poor. He didn't socialize with people. His mission was directed to the public and especially sinners. Most miracles were inclined to destruction or death. The duration of his ministry was 35 years. Now juxtapose that with the mission and the ministry and the calling that God encouraged Elisha to step into. Here's what it looked like. He grew up somewhat wealthy he loved people. He was very social. His mission was directed to the people and prophets of God. And most of his miracles were based on restoration and healing. And his ministry lasted 70 years, twice as long. God had a different calling and a different purpose in mind for Elisha than he did Elijah, older generation, if I could speak to you, are you cultivating the next generation to become you or to become who God has created them to be? Younger generation, are you seeking after the lives of the people who have gone before you? Are you seeking after the life that God has for you? You can't choose both. Go after it. This is this last question I want to ask: Who is God placed in your life as a guide? I'm speaking to the younger generation again. You can't do this alone. You can't. I tried for a long time, a lot of years. Uh, somewhat of a rejection of previous generations, whether that was in my own family, whether that was in the workplace, whether that was in higher education or lower education. I don't know. I, I, there was just a constant rejection that I had of previous, like I, I can do this myself. I can figure it out. I'm my own person. I have my own call, and I don't need anybody's help for anything. I can do it myself. Do you know where that ends? Misery. Loneliness. Emptiness. God has created, his kingdom has been created in a way that we need and are utterly reliant on one another cross-generationally. So let me encourage you in the younger generation, would you prayerfully seek a guide that will invest in your soul Because if you want to figure out this purpose that he has in mind for you, don't just learn what the previous generation learned from God. Learn how to seek the voice and the will of God for yourself. That changes your questions, it doesn't change your submission. Follow well, serve well. And I'm so grateful. Even The reason I'm on this stage today is because there were people in my life that did that for me. My mom was one of them. Man, did she develop me. Brian, our lead pastor, is one of them. Blake, our executive pastor, is another one. Other guys, Mario, I could say, Rich, Greg. There's so many people that have influenced and shaped me because they were God-ordained mentors and guides for a season for me, and I wouldn't be here without them. Younger generation, find them. They're available. Many of them are waiting to invest in someone like you. If you will ask, if you will submit, and if you will serve, if you will listen. How I want to close today is just praying uh, for you, younger generation, praying that God would provide that guide for you. Some of you, it's in your family. Others, you haven't met them yet. And I also want to pray for the older generation in the room, that you would be that guide for someone else. Because this next generation's future depends on it. So let's pray let's go to the lord together father we just come before you we love you we're so grateful that you've invited us to the greatest purpose that ever existed and that purpose is is your kingdom it's the good news that you came that that we no longer have to stand on our own account or our own behavior but that we could stand under the umbrella of grace that came from jesus Father, I pray for this next generation right now. I pray that you would cultivate and stir in them a hunger to serve and follow you. Father, this is how Jesus discipled his disciples. I pray that they would be hungry. I pray that they would be open. I pray that they would be submissive. I also pray, Father, that you would protect the next generation right now. The enemy has them in his sights. And so I pray for their hearts, I pray for their eyes, I I pray for their behaviors, I I pray for their relationships, I pray for their their callings, their desires, I, I pray for their gifts, that they would not be used for the enemy's purposes, but for yours. And Father, I pray for this older generation, the generation that has gone before us, who's paved the way and set us up. I pray that they would equip the next generation with everything that they have. Maybe it's resources, maybe it's experience, Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's wisdom. Father, I pray that this older, the the generation that exists right now that's watching this next generation rise up, I pray that you would give them a softness and a sensitivity to what you are doing and cultivating in this next generation. Father, we need each other, but more importantly, we need you. And I pray that you would lead us. I pray that you would guide us. I pray that we would draw closer and closer to you as a result. So we love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen.